Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Diego Sanchez, COO of HW Media, filling in for Sarah Wheeler while she's on leave. Today, I'm joined by our lead analyst, Logan Motoshami, who will talk about his most recent weekly housing market tracker, which tantalized us with purchase apps heating up, but frustrated us with a decline in inventory. Logan, welcome to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here. Before we start talking about your tracker, what happened to your 49ers on Sunday? Well, when you don't have your third string quarterback, nor your fourth string quarterback, and you can't throw the ball, um, it makes it difficult to play the one of the better teams in the NFL. So uh, unfortunate incident. It's probably the worst way to lose, uh, but it happens in sports. Uh, it was a great year. Uh, uh, love being a Niner fan, especially the last few years. But Totally a Cinderella run. Really exciting to watch. But you and Sarah have to come up with a different bet for the Super Bowl now. Yes, yes. I really wanted us to win, so I'd have two weeks to talk trash to Sarah, but that's not going to happen. Well, now now on to the weekly tracker, which I have to say, personally, is now my favorite Logan content of all of our Logan content. Uh, What were your high-level takeaways from your tracker this week? Well, Right now, what we've seen is that purchase application data kind of bottomed out in early November. And the tracker started this year, but what it has shown is that lower mortgage rates have created a bottom in housing activity, and it's bounced off from the lows. Uh, One of the things I've tried to stress is that we've had such a waterfall dive in this data line. Uh, pretty much seven years of growth were wiped out with one year. But we've clearly seen a bottom and an increase. Uh, uh, Today, purchase application data actually was down 10% week to week, and we'll put that in the tracker for next week. But we've seen this data line grow, which means as of now, 30 to 90 days after November 9th, uh, we should see it fall into sales. And in the tracker article, we talked about that, that pending home sales is up. Uh, for the first time uh, in a while. And it also had a waterfall dive, uh, a historical approach. And uh, what we want to do with the tracker is give people real-time data with inventory, purchase application data, and the bond market, which ties to mortgage rates, and then the events that were happening uh, uh, in the week. For example, yesterday, the Federal Reserve likes to track wage growth at this at this stage. They want to see less wage growth. They believe that is the best way to fight inflation. I might not agree with that. But uh, in this case, uh, the uh, employment cost index has been cooling down. That's a positive in a sense for housing, because again, you know, uh, what we were seeing last year was the Fed continuously rising, uh, raising rates, doesn't know when it's going to stop, um, just wants to you know, put the economy into a recession, because that was the talking points last year, that we needed pain, that a job loss recession is going to be the uh, most important. And yesterday is just a string of data to show that the growth rate of inflation is cooling. They don't have to you know, uh, uh, 
raise rates enough to create a recession. Some people were saying we need six, seven percent unemployment rates to beat this. No, it's it's already happening now. You have to give it some more time. Let supply uh, uh, come up and demand softening up. We'll we'll have the growth rate of inflation. So so far this week on that front, that's a positive. We're going to have the job openings data, the jobs data, the initial claims. These things are actually crucial for housing because they will impact the bond market. But clearly since November, we saw that bottom in activity and we've been slowly rising. And in 30 to 90 days, the sales data will start to catch up to the forward-looking tracker data. So our friends at Altos Research track the weekly inventory uh, for us, uh, and we include that in your weekly tracker. We're a little bit frustrated this week by inventory continuing with a small decline week over week. What do you think is happening there? You know, traditionally about now, I would say pre-COVID, you know, inventory has the spring rise. Um, but inventory had been falling a little bit faster than I thought early, earlier in the year we would see. And then we had a pause. We had one, one week of increase and then a small decline. And now we're having a, another decline. The for my work, the, one of the things I try to stress is that inventory should be also looked at as demand because a traditional seller is a traditional buyer. So when that seller feels comfortable to list, no matter where rates are, most likely they're going to sell that house, buy another one. Um, so getting inventory levels back toward 2019 levels to me is a positive. It's not a negative. I know some people look at that as a negative. We should be starting the seasonal push in inventory. And again, I always try to stress all these people who list their homes that are primary resident owners, they feel comfortable about selling and buying something else, especially now that mortgage rates have stabilized. Last year was so chaotic that you can't have a functioning housing market when you go from 3% mortgage rates to six and a quarter, from six and a quarter to 5% thinking, okay, now we can do it. Then from 5%, to 7.375. Um, what we saw last year is what we saw in COVID. We saw new listings data decline faster uh, than normal. And that is a demand hit. And these waterfall dives in demand that we saw in 2020, very briefly, and last year, uh, part of that is people not listing their homes to sell. So the ho- the products that you have out there is not that much historically. Um, but I'm still hoping that we do the traditional seasonal push in inventory. And then we have just a traditional market between buyers and sellers uh, and those who sell their homes buy. And that's that's a positive for the housing market. We don't like to see new listings data decline like we saw uh, starting at the end of June last year. I've been speaking with brokerage leaders over the past week and a half or so. And according to them, open houses are hot. There's a significant amount of demand out there. So potentially this decrease in supply is also the the demographic patch from 2020 to 2024 that you talk about getting back into the market and, and putting demand forward. Tying this to November data, because November 30, 60 days, 90, some of this is actually sales uh, coming off. So when you're working from a very low inventory, and I'm not kidding when I say low, I mean, we cracked under a million on the NAR's inventory. This is only the second time in modern day history that total inventory listings were under a million. So anything actually 
you know, it's going to be noticeable at this stage because literally we had a waterfall dive in demand, especially the second half of uh, 2022. So uh, people buy and sell homes every year. Millions and millions of people bought homes last year. I mean, we had over 5.5 million total home sales last year. Uh, uh, People forget that that really did happen. Even last year, it's not like sales go down to uh, two to three million. So here we're uh, looking to see how the forward-looking data, that's why uh, we wanted to create this for Housing Wire. And uh, you could clearly see that activity bottomed in November and we've been slowly rising there. And this is the traditional seasonal time for purchase application data. It's usually the second week of January to the first week of May. Traditionally speaking, after May, total volumes always fall. So you get a good idea of what's happening. And today, you know, uh, we saw the application data actually have a week-to-week decline of uh, 10%, but we're clearly off the bottom and we're just going to see how this goes. For me personally, I just want to see that do rates need to go lower to bring in more buyers from here uh, because we're working from such a low level. I think that's part of the tracker uh, that we're going to see do... Is 6% mortgage rates good enough or do we need to get down to five? Because last year we saw <clears throat> when rates went from six and a quarter to 5%, uh, we saw people come back in the market, except we didn't have 5% for very long. Uh, uh, the, the Fed freaked out. They didn't want people buying homes. <laughs> they did a tour about, uh, you know, no, we need tighter conditions. And then we saw a, uh, um, um, a quick reversal in rates back up to uh, 7.37%. So let's let's dive into rates in, in your weekly tracker. They didn't do much last week, uh, but we have a Fed meeting later today. We're recording this at 7 a.m. Central Time on Wednesday. It will publish tomorrow morning. But let's talk a little bit about what you think the Fed is going to do later today and, and what you think they should do, because that's probably different, I would guess. I mean, at this point... Um, the market has kind of called them out on, you don't need to hike rates anymore. And and I'm just using what the Fed's own logic has been. The Fed says we are looking at personal consumption expenditures, uh, rate of growth. That's the inflation data they looked at, three, six, 12 months. This is looking like it's going to have a three handle by the end of the year. So uh, for the Fed to even go to 5% uh, on the Fed funds rate, which they're projecting to do, you don't really need to do that if you're followed your own advice. Uh, so to me, it's 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 a debatable uh, question. Should the Fed just stop hiking and just let the data run itself? Uh, or do they really want to project, uh, we need the economy to get into a recession to for us to actually have the best case to fight against inflation? If the growth rate of inflation is falling, the worst case for the Fed rate hikes is a quarter hike three more times, and that's it. And they let the data run. The Fed funds rate and the bond market are having a little disagreement right now. Um, they're looking at the Fed to cut rates later on at the year, or you know, going into twenty twenty four. But uh, for right now, I really want to see what Jay Powell talks about. You know, in terms of you know, does he does he really? not want financial conditions to get easier. The stock market's rattling, bond wheels are falling, people are buying homes again. Americans are living. The Fed might not want that, you know? So uh, it's the language uh, at this point. But really, 
you know, the Fed rate hike cycles is is almost done, right? There's no, uh, unless they come out and change their entire talking points. No, we want more restrictions. We want that job loss recession. We, you know, while the growth rate of inflation is falling, that's a different case, but so far they haven't done that. And they've been trying to push back on the recent uh, market conditions, but the market's not listening at this point. So it's a good tug of war that I enjoy watching between what market expectations are and what the Fed is, because I've always said Fed is notoriously known for being old and slow, but the bond market, uh, it'll get ahead of uh, uh, anything uh, uh, major happening in the economy. Love that we got old and slow in there. Um, The spreads between mortgage rates and the 10-year treasury are unusually wide, and they've uh, been that way for a bit. Do you think we could see those spreads narrowing this year as things settle down? You know they they've narrowed recently. They're still historically wide. I I believe when we really get a full blown reversal, uh, or the or as people say, a Fed pivot, then the spreads will get noticeably better. At that point, um, uh, until then, uh, I expect the spreads to stay wide. They've gotten they've gotten better recently, but uh, this you know. The Fed really pushed the lever, you know, this time with the Fed rate hikes. And, you know, back kind of in the fall, you know, when the dollar was getting so strong and the IMF was complaining about Fed rate hikes and London was about to lose its pension funds. When the dollar gets really strong, all hell breaks out in the world. So uh, people were selling, countries were selling treasuries, bond yields were going up. You know, unless the Fed comes out and says, listen, we, 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 we need to do X and we need to be more tight or restrictive. You know, I think the worst case is, is done with the volatility. But the question now is the labor market. You know, right now, at least for me, too, the, the, the Fed pivot doesn't happen until the labor market breaks. And the labor market doesn't break until initial jobless claims it happens every Thursday. That gets to 323,000 on a four-week moving average. That, again, uh, I think it's would be a noticeable change in the labor market. It's also a level that's going to be very hard to get to until the labor market breaks. Uh, when that occurs, then you'll you'll see a total dynamic shift in the bond market. Because I, I always tell people, if, if the labor market is still solid in the sense that, you know, people say, well, the tech companies are laying off X people. Well, there's also 155 million people working still. So uh, to get the labor market to really break, you need continuing claims and jobless claims to rise together in a noticeable fashion. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, the Fed truly, well, at least half of them truly believe that to fight inflation, people have to lose their jobs or job growth. The labor market has to get weaker. And this is the contentious battle right now that we're having at this stage of the cycle. Because for some of us, we always want to avoid a recession at all costs, right? Recessions are not needed in the sense to defeat inflation uh, uh, the best way to d- defeat inflation is always to get more supply because that supply sticks. You know, to destroy inflation by demand destruction, you actually need uh, you're going to hurt the future production of, uh, of supply. So uh, hopefully the growth rate of inflation falls. The Fed just goes with that and we, we keep this ex- uh, economy expanding. Uh, then lower rates helps housing. Housing is the one sector that's truly in a recession. We get, you know, uh, uh, home sales to go up, uh, and then eventually the builders will work off their excess supply uh, of, of homes. And then at that point, 
Uh, hopefully, rates are low enough for the new home sales sector to grow so they don't have to lay off construction workers. I think there's this is the one difference about this cycle than, than previous decades. Right about now, the builders would be laying off construction workers left and right. Uh, but since they have this excess backlog, uh, it's kept the construction workers there until they work it off. Once that is done, their jobs are gone. So we don't want to get to that point. We just hopefully we get the backlog done and then rates fall and then we can keep the uh, construction employment there. You mentioned purchase apps from this morning being down. Anything worrying in that report or you still feel good about purchase apps overall? You know, when weekly data gets very wild, you know, you're going to have some reports that are excessively positive and then some negative. It's the trend that matters. And I always point out the trend actually started back in November ninth. So we just kind of want to go with that. If you have a series of negative weekly reports and negative year over year data is getting worse, then that's a negative trend. You know, that's what we saw last year. You know, the week, the purchase application data was very easy to read. Negative, negative, year over year, week over week. Uh, um, and the thing with purchase application now, it's so low <laughs> that uh, the move that we saw initially uh, was, a, was a bounce from the bottom. But again, the bar is so low, we can trip over it. So we always want to keep an eye on the weekly data and, and understand how to read it. And still, we are no longer going down compared to what we were last year. We bounced on the bottom, and now we're going to see how the spring goes. So, so far this year, it's actually been uh, a net positive. But what happens this week, again, impacts the data 30 to 90 days out. Uh, so uh, the positive trend that we've seen in the last uh, few months uh, shows that, you know, the February, March sales will be better than what we saw toward the end of last year. And again, I, I always stress, we had a historic waterfall dive in demand uh, last year. And uh, uh, after 1996, it's really rare in America to have existing home sales. Monthly prints get under 4 million. When you think about the civilian population, the workforce, uh, the, it authentically really only happened in 2008. Uh, so uh, we were kind of hitting that bottom area right there. And we're, we're going to bounce off there. It's how do we continue this? And this is why the weekly tracker is here to keep everyone updated on what the market is doing, because it's a series of data lines, data, you know, numbers do not care what people's ideological takes are. They just a series of numbers. You go with that because numbers over people should always be the thing. And the trend is my friend. Yes. How are you feeling about a soft landing? You know, when I wrote the six recession red flag, uh, uh, article on August 5th before I made a presentation to the conference board uh, uh, on this, uh, there's two things that I, I talked about that can create a soft landing. Uh, number one, the growth rate of inflation falls and bond yields fall. So rates fall. That's happened. Uh, uh, so the second uh, aspect of that is the Federal Reserve stops hiking, uh, gets more accommodative and then starts cutting, kind of like what they did in 2018. Uh, in 2018, they stopped hiking, and then they started cutting, and then you know the, the the recession data went away. We actually the data got better in 2019 in the second half. So that's the second aspect. The first aspect has actually happened. Uh, so it's really important. So whenever you write a model and you give a recession model, and then you actually outlay the two things you need to see to prevent it, have a soft landing. If one of those things happen, it's a positive, right? Because you you. You never want to have a job loss recession. 
right? Because recessions are bad. They, you know, families get uh, destroyed and you know, there's too much uh, uh, conflict. Even though majority of people are always working, you know, sectors do get impacted in a negative way. So the soft landing is something I'm rooting for. And that first part of that uh, soft landing premise is actually occurring now. If that continues, that's a positive. Then it's up to the Fed at that point. Uh, and we have seen enough evidence that the growth rate of inflation is cooling. And now people say, well, look, lumber prices are back up again. They're up over $150 in a very short amount of time. So we'll have this debate again against the reflation trade a little bit later on when other data line uh, comes with it. But again, the, the problem with destroying inflation with demand destruction is that the future production of goods goes down and future supply gets hit. And then if you're stuck again with a reacceleration in demand, you know, that supply isn't there. And, and we, we see this with commodity prices all the time. They go up and down like crazy. And uh, we're, we're keeping our eye on lumber. Well, to be continued later this week, we'll have you on again. We're both in Texas this week. What are, what are you doing in Texas? I am speaking uh, at the Keller Williams uh, offices in Houston and San Antonio. So, uh, uh, and it is cold in Texas. So it is really cold. <laughs> for a Southern California guy, that 67 is freezing. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this feels like winter, very winter weather for, for me. So how, how can folks in our audience uh, get in touch with you to talk about you potentially speaking to their team or division or organization? You know, I write this in my blog and in all my articles. If you want me to speak, uh, press at hwmedia.com. Uh, send a request in, uh, uh, and then uh, the, that department will handle all the requests. So uh, if it's just a podcast, if it's a Zoom, if it's a, a, a flying to an event to speak, uh, we get tons of requests on that, but that is the fastest, efficient way uh, to get me to do, come talk about uh, economics because you know me, I'm, I'm the nerd show. I love to do this stuff. Thank you so much, Logan. It's been great chatting with you this morning. Good luck on your speeches later today. Thank you so much. Success might look different this year, but it's out there for those willing to work for it. That's why 2023's Gathering of Eagles will focus on forging opportunities, the perfect chance for industry leaders to take a proactive approach to continually move the needle in their businesses and the real estate industry at large. Gathering of Eagles will bring together the nation's top residential real estate CEOs, presidents, and C-level leadership teams to grow, network, and set the pace for what's next in our industry. 2023's GOE is at Omni Barton Creek Resort in the rolling hill country of Austin, Texas from June 18th until the 21st. Learn more and register your spot on the events page at realtrends.com. And we can't wait to see you in Austin. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.